0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Straight Talk. This is Carla Bennett, your host. And as you know, I've been doing a little bit of series with my my children, as well as, you know, just to get some input on their perspective on certain things in life. Well, thank you, first of all, for listening and always tuning in and providing your feedback and providing, you know, some real highlights on the things that you have been enjoying. And I'm praying that it does impact your life in a positive way well today i'm a little excited because i did do a podcast a couple weeks ago about this particular son that i have he's my eldest son his name is janoy and i'm so happy that he's able to sit with me we're sitting side by side as we do this podcast let me just first put out a disclaimer out there there's no preparation for this podcast (laughs) it's going to be rolling freely and that's what makes it so authentic when we can speak from our hearts so janoy first of all i want to say welcome the Straight Talk Real Journeys. And I'm sure my listeners are hoping to hear all that you have to share and what ways we can, you know, use this podcast to impact their lives.
1: Thank you, thank you. And I'm gonna call you mommy, because yes. that's what I call you. So you might know her as Carla or Miss Bennett, and I'm gonna call you Mummy, And I'm excited to have this opportunity to be on this podcast. I've listened to a few and I'm very proud of you. Thank and uh, i'm happy to share my story and as you said this is not scripted it's so not we'll scripted. see where it goes
0: yes we'll see where it goes so you know I, i'm not going to try to pattern what joshua did last week but i just also wanted to get your input on some of the things that he spoke about last week and then talk about what's going on in your life and your journey and so i just wanted to start with this one thing because one, one of the things that we spoke about was being a single parent I never get in the perspective of being a child of a single parent. And I want you to talk about your life from that perspective to where you are now.
1: Yeah. So, you know, my upbringing was a bit unorthodox. I grew up in several different environments. I was born in Jamaica. I didn't spend too much time there. I left there when I was about four or five years old. And I came to the States with my mom and we struggled. My mom was a single parent. And as a kid, you don't really know to the extent what the struggle is, but you realize like, Hey, we're packing up and moving again. Oh, <laughs> dinner, dinner tonight is, we're trying to figure it out. And you get used to those things and you realize that, Hey, my mom is not, maybe not in a place where she wants to be, but Hey, I'm here with her and we're, we're doing it together. Long story short, as you guys know, my mom gave me to my grandmother, my paternal grandmother, around the age of seven or eight, and I was primarily raised by her, although I did get to visit my mom and my grandmother on weekends and summers. So I got a glimpse of a a, a materialistic good life. My grandmother was in a financially better situation, more stable. However, I did get glimpses of my mom and my two siblings in a more impoverished environment uh, on weekends and summers. So, if you think about it, my life was the balance of two extremes. I was living a a life where I had a, a full cooked meal every night. And on weekends and summers, it was bread and butter. So, it, it allowed me to become adaptable and see the world through two different lenses and also appreciate
0: what I had but also appreciate what I didn't have. And I just want to go back a little bit with you because I just want to ask you, and I see if you can put yourself back into your childhood, your child, and tell me exactly how do you see, think yourself feeling that way, knowing that we were not living together, we were separate, you live with your grandmother, your paternal grandmother, and then we only see each other on weekends. And how did that make you feel as a child?
1: Yeah, it was tough. It, if we go back in time, it was a buildup of what I experienced. So it went from the first night, my mom dropping me off at my grandmother's house and not really knowing what's happening. I remember that night. I remember the backpack. I remember the, the clothes that was packed. I remember how that felt, but then there was a period of time where you left and you went to New York and Mm -hmm. you lived in Baltimore. So I didn't get to see you. Right. And I lived with my grandmother who was very strict and I would say borderline abusive. So I I went through trauma as a youth, made it very difficult for me to understand how did I get to this point
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and not having anyone, my mother, to confide in or my father to confide in. Mm -hmm. So in those moments of being abused or or being in trauma, I felt abandoned. And in those moments, there were times where my grandmother would pick me up and those were some of the best times of my life. Though she didn't have much, though we went to church all the time, those were moments where I escaped my reality. Mm -hmm. So though I had what what I have materialistically, I think emotionally, I struggled to really find my identity. I was stripped of it emotionally, physically, mentally, you name it. And I struggled my confidence. So when my mom came back, about the time I was in middle school, I struggled to see her and connect with her in a way where she was trying to express love to me, but I didn't know what that looked like or I'd forgotten what that looked like. So those times where we did spend time together on weekends and summers, You were also working jobs and trying to provide. I I always thought our relation, one was a buildup of that time that was lost. And then two, as those times became more available, it was hard to connect in a way that you see the average son and mother or daughter and mother connect. And I always felt that my siblings had that connection with you because they went through that struggle with you, but I never had that connection with you in that regard. So. I mean, up until recently, probably until around college, I still struggle with that connection or, or at least understanding how to identify with my, my mother my mom who gave me birth. Yeah, that, I hope that answers your question.
0: Yes, it did. It actually did. And uh, one of the things, and I'm going to fast forward you back to, to college, because one of the things that I have always instilled, even more so when I started finding who I was, is to be authentic with my children and tell them exactly what I was going through. I think I missed a lot of opportunities with you growing up because of my own personal struggles. And maybe some of it was my own selfishness as well. And so some people would probably listening now and say, hey, I would never do that to my child or I'd never do that. Or how did she even think, dream or sleep at night doing it? No, I didn't sleep at night. I wasn't comfortable with it. It wasn't something that I I really pursued doing, but at the same time, I could have done differently looking back. And so I knew that our relationship was strained. Even when you went to college, I remember many little arguments that we had based on that. But one thing that stood out about you, Genoi, is that no matter the obstacle, you always rose above. And I wanted to know, and I want to know, maybe never really asked you, but what was your motivation?
1: Anger, disappointment, abandonment, feeling like there had to be something better than what I was going through. So I was motivated by all the negative energy around me. Not saying that I wasn't gifted in school or I didn't have certain skills and talents that I could tap into, but Ultimately, what pushed me every day to get, to, to get up and go to school and do well was to get out of Florida, to get away from my environment, to get away from this madness. And I think that's what propelled me to go to school as far away as I could. And I was running from what, what was right in front of me because I didn't want to be in that environment anymore. I didn't think it was healthy for me. So over time, that energy changed. And I've realized I don't have to focus on the negative as much as I, as I, I probably have focused on before in the past and focus more on the positive things of the person that I wanted to be. But that takes a lot of self discovery and understanding. How did you get to this point? Well, for a lot of, a lot of my life from my teenage years up to adolescence into, you know, adulthood, my early twenties, there was a lot of anger and disappointment and a lot of. I just need to do better. I need to prove something to someone. I need to prove that I can do this. I need to get out of this environment. So the crazy thing is you you, you think of those things and like wow you have accomplished so much and you've done so much in your life and you went to this school and you did that and you you've you've done so much, but I was never really happy in those moments. And that's why we had those little arguments, right? Those were blips of anger coming out. Those were blips of opportunities to explode and let these things that were piling up come out in an unhealthy. So I think though I'm proud of that, and though that negative energy has helped propelled me, it also left a lot of scars and battle wounds along the way as well. And those
0: are battle wounds that I'm still cleaning up to this day. Mm, I love your honesty with that. I know One of our battles, and I I clearly remember, was you going to Penn State. Mm -hmm. First, I thought you were being selfish because you saw my struggle and you insisted on that that's going to be the college that you're going to go without even seeing the finances in full. You did get some partial scholarships and stuff, but it wasn't enough to keep you going. And I even know that while you were at Penn State, there was a lot of struggle too financially. On my, on my part, I'm not able to support you the way I, I should have. But even with that, one of my focus at that time was to build a relationship with you. And now you're talking about the anger. It makes sense as to why the pushback was there. Because here was I'm pushing and you're, you're saying, no, I'm not ready for this. At what point were you ready?
1: I think I started to realize. How my energy was affecting my personal being when I, around my junior year, when I, I studied abroad in Europe. And it, it gave me perspective on life, just to see other cultures and to see how other people interact and how fortunate we are as people. Uh, not that Europe is a third world country, but we were exposed to how continents and government in Europe impacts the world in a way that allows people to move and say and do different things as opposed to what we have in America. We are so privileged and lucky here. So I I think the turning point for me was seeing that and then recognizing that, wow, like I I have nothing. I I have everything, but at the same time, I have nothing. Mm -hmm. I have nothing to be proud of within myself. And I wanted to be proud of myself. I wanted to see myself as a husband, as a father, as someone who not only got everything that they wanted from a career perspective or a life perspective, but also achieved internal peace so that I can enjoy those moments of traveling or connecting with the world or uh, doing things that uh, other people may not have the opportunity to do. So. When I realized that I wasn't truly at peace, I wanted to go seek that peace. And one thing I will say about myself is when I think about something and I really put my mind to it at that moment, (laughs) I'm going to do anything I can do to go get whatever I'm going after. So that was a huge turning point for me. And I remember when I went back to college, there was a difference in me. And I remember thinking to myself like, okay, well, How do I translate this into my daily actions? And if you remember, I started to reach out to you a lot more Mm -hmm. my senior year. Yes. We started having a lot more More conversations. conversations. Yes. As before, my mom would call me two, three, four, five times, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, (laughs) one month, one semester. may Might answer the phone once or twice. Yes. And I always appreciate you reaching out. And, And I recognize now as a parent how much that love is deep from you to me. And how deep that love is received, even when it's not received. So I think, as, as time built on, I, I made a, a a pact within myself to forgive myself, but also forgive those around me, mm-hmm. and try to achieve that peace by by
0: any means necessary. And you just said something about forgiveness, and I would would you agree that there's power in forgiveness?
1: Oh yeah, so much. I mean, when you forgive somebody and you genuinely mean. When you genuinely mean it mm-hmm. and you can love someone again,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there is, there's nothing that's holding you down. It's not. You can move how you want to move freely.
0: There's freedom with it.
1: There's so much freedom and there's so much ability to speak your peace yeah. and, and be yourself. And I think forgiveness comes in stages. Yes. And I, I think it's not like a, all right, I forgive her and now our relationship is going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I think it builds over time. So I'm still on that journey with you. Yes. I'm still on that journey with myself. Yes. I'm still on that journey with my grandmother who hurt me.
0: Yes.
1: I- I'm still on that journey with so many people. But the fact now what's different now than was, what, was, what it was before is that there is an intention and an effort to, to seek that forgiveness within myself and others as yes.
0: well. Wow. That was powerful. Janoy, I am going to tap a little bit into your achievements. This is not to boast. But this is just to probably give a young person out there who's probably meeting the same adversities, who's probably saying to themselves, I'm abandoned, I'm depressed, nobody cares about me, but feels as if they're not worth And as you said, your anger propelled you to get where you're going to go. Maybe you're angry at the fact that I don't need to be here. This is not for me. There's much be better. Can you, they use that same anger to propel themselves to get, to that positive aspect of life. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, it, it's so funny that you bring that up because as you were uh, posing that question, I remember being so angry. I wanted to do the opposite of everything my environment was involved in. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a house, my grandmother sold weed, smoked weed, uncle smoked weed, everybody smoked weed. Weed was, I mean, I, I, I've never seen so much weed in my life. And there was so much happening in that environment that was not conducive conducive to a healthy environment for any child or youth. Okay. And I was so angry at that. I never smoked weed. I never did anything that they did. I wanted to be so different from them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's how angry I was. And like I said, it, it had some positivity because obviously it kept me out of trouble, kept me away from a bad crowd, but for any young person listening today, you really got to tap in to who you are and what you want out of life. And you really got to be at peace with that and go after it every single day.
0: Yeah.
1: It has to be, you have to obsess over what you want. If you're not obsessing over what you want, you don't want it. Yeah. It's easy to say, like right now, I want to lose weight. I'm saying it, but I don't. I don't really mean it, right? Because I'm not doing it every day, right? When I wanted to go to Penn State, I mm-hmm. bugged you every single you sure day. Sure did. I showed you Excel spreadsheets. I showed you this person, that per- I hustled every single day. And I'm old-fashioned when it comes to that because I do believe a good worth ethic leads to good character, mm-hmm. and good character leads to good things. People recognize good character. And that's something I'm realizing more now than before. It's really not what, it's who who you're exposed to and who you're exposed to is a function of how your character is in any given moment in time. I remember we went to Penn State and the first visit we had, we met the dean. Mm -hmm. And the dean, the very dean gave me scholarships to go to Penn State, partial scholarships. So I say all that to say for any young person listening, if you really want something and you can tap into it At a level where you're laser focused and obsessed with it, you can do anything you want. That's not a cliche saying. I really believe that. Even if it's hard, even if you feel like, wow, there's a mountain ahead of me and things that I can't control, that little bit of control you have is what you decide to do today. What are you going to do to accomplish your dreams today? Powerful,
0: powerful advice. I also wanted to. Talk a little bit more about, you said that you were going to church. How did church impact you?
1: Major. So so I went to two churches. <laughs> <laughs> and mommy's laughing. I went to a church where it had church on the door and on the building. And I went there and I felt nothing.
0: Hmm.
1: And those were the times I... Maybe didn't get picked up by my mom or my maternal grand or her mom, my grandmother, and the times I stayed with my grandmother. And I literally remember going to church and saying, Well, this is a waste of time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But I look forward to going to church with my grandmother, my mom's mom. I love that church. I had friends. I had activities. We went to camp. They were so involved, so loving. I've never been in such such a loving environment in my life as opposed to being in that church. And I remember having building relationships with friends that I have today, friends that I call my brothers today, and, and going to that church and being involved with things like the drama team. My mom was a part of the drama team and, and getting involved and seeing church from an operations aspect really Help my appreciation and love, not only for church, but also the Lord. Because there's those times as young people where you actually sit down and you listen to what's being taught and told, and you receive God for who he is and who you see him to be for yourself. My God. And I remember having those moments and really shaping who I am today as a believer in God and Jesus Christ. Those moments and that ability to discern between church A and church B was very impactful to me yes. because I took what I learned in church B and I, I still apply that to my life. Church is still very much so, I wouldn't even say church. God and Jesus is very much so a part of my life and the way I guide my life today. And I think my exposure to that church and in that environment really helped me to come to that point.
0: So you would Agree with the Bible verse saying, train up the child the way they should go. And when they get older, they'll never depart from it.
1: I 100% agree with that.
0: Awesome. As we talk a little bit more, you went to Penn State and you moved on to UConn to get your, uh, what's called that, postgraduate. Mm-hmm. And you moved on, you got a good job. And you have now decided to somehow give back to the community. When you were a little boy, that was one of your, your dreams, to give back to the community. Give back to inner city kids. That will you're laser focused on that. I mean, that would be a part of your little talk all the time. Let us let the audience uh, that's listening in. I'm gonna allow you to introduce what you're doing, and I want people to just really zone in and see what what can happen when you rise above adversities, and so and then when you rise above it and you're blessed, how you give back. And so let's talk about a little about that.
1: Yeah, I, I want to build on the problem that you just defined. Yes. So at a very young age, I didn't grow up in the worst neighborhood. I didn't grow up in the best neighborhood. I grew up in a neighborhood that was exposed to a lot of things that youth today are probably struggling with. Drugs, crime, sex, you name it. And unfortunately, we live in a society where you have the elites. Mm-hmm. And you have the the massive Mm -hmm. and because i grew up in that environment i was zoned to go to a certain high school and that high school i won't name it but was it it was infamous for producing the worst students and luckily i was always invested in school and i always saw myself as an entrepreneur i i went to a magnet school when i was bused away to go to high school but i went back home and all the friends I grew up with from seven, eight years old went to this high school. And over time, I recognized how much of a gap we had in the guidance, in planning after graduation and going. I remember trying to convince my friends, hey, you wanna take the SAT? No, I'm not gonna do that. I gotta go work at Walmart tonight. Hey, you gonna do this? Oh, no, I can't do this. I, I gotta watch my brother and my sister tonight. And it it became apparent to me that my friends lost hope over time. And hope is one of those things that when you lose it, Mm -hmm. it is something that is hard to get back because your reality becomes your environment. And fortunate for me, I was exposed to a different environment. So my reality became a lot broader than that. Mm -hmm. So in, in, in that, I always said to my friends and I always said to my family, when I get to a certain point in life, I want to be able to provide that exposure to a different environment where youth can always have hope. Mm-hmm. Because once you kill hope, you kill a society, you kill a community. So when I got my job, I was fortunate enough to, to start getting involved with the community in Connecticut. That's where I live. And it woke up a sleeping giant in me. And I founded the Momentum Foundation, which is a nonprofit And our venture is the Junity app, which is basically an application that allows youth to self-discover their passions and connect to resources that exist to provide them opportunities for their educational and career aspirations. So, for example, I now know at age almost 30 that I could have went to trade school for six months became a mechanic, an airplane mechanic, and make more money than I do now. <laughs> wow. I I now know mm-hmm. that plumbers make very good money. money. Yes. I now know that electricians make very good money and it requires very little schooling.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: recognize that not every kid is meant to go to college. Wow. And I recognize that our society, our system, our culture, our culture mm-hmm. today pushes college as the only way to have a decent life. Wow. And that's not true. Right. So our whole goal is to break that narrative and put students and youth in a position to have hope again, to see what else exists out there and educate them on the path that they can take outside of college. Not mm-hmm. saying college is the worst. I went to college. I went to college three times. I'm not. My dean called me a repeat offender. But there's so many other opportunities and paths that youth can take advantage of to explore their passions and ultimately do what they love, do what they want. It goes back to doing what they want. And I, I think that starts with, what are your interests? What do you like to do today? Mm-hmm. You see a kid that likes to color and draw and and, and do art, put them in an art program, right. have them build on that. There's NFTs. There's so many ways now that the world is connected to make that a living for that person, mm-hmm. that that person should be able to dream about those things and not feel like there's no way out besides working at Walmart as a cashier or the dollar store as a cashier or whatever job exists
0: today. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And sometimes we fail to recognize that. Janoy, I'm truly enjoying this talk. I really am. And I just want to... One more thing, because I should say here that Janoi is now a dad. And I know that many times... People say your past determines your present or determines your future. And your prime example that it really doesn't determine what's going to happen in your present or your future is what you make of it Mm. and how you help it to fuel you to do better in life that has determined your present and your future. Now, I'm looking at my grandson, Amari. As Amari is coming up, and I know there are fathers out there who feel as if they don't they don't feel adequate enough to take on their responsibility or they blatantly just don't take their responsibility. And I know he's still a baby, but one day he's going to come to you for advice and you not having to say a father in your life growing up. What advice would you give Amari at this point or even these fathers out there that are feeling as if what it's too late to take on the responsibility and they still have time?
1: Yeah. So I, I'll I'll give you the advice that I'm taking right now. Go fix yourself. Easier said than done. There, There's such a stigma with men, especially men of color, with being able to feel vulnerable and express vulnerability to the ones you love. And that comes from a place of trauma and hurt. And honestly, we are conditioned by society to feel like that. And my mom always says, hurt people, hurt people. So when I say go fix yourself, we're not natural. It's not our natural ability not to take care of our offspring. There's no human that wants to do worse mm-hmm. or wants to do bad for their children. And, and I believe if you're in a position right now where you feel like you're not adequate or you're not positioned or you're not well equipped, you are. You just don't believe it. And I think what's really helped me, and I've always looking, looked forward to being a father, but I always wanted to be a healthy father and make sure that I'm providing my child with, healthy, with a healthy environment and the ability to feel love and for me to express love. What's really helped me is going to therapy. So I go to therapy twice a month, and I talk to someone not about what's currently going on in my life, not about a problem that i'm experiencing right now but how do i communicate effectively how do i ensure that i'm providing a healthy environment for my son those are the questions that i talked to another man about in order to gain insights about my perspective and myself and areas of my life that i may need to go heal or go address it is so important for fathers to feel adequate and recognize that you are and recognize that your child depends on you. Because just like my mom said, children will grow up and they will ask you questions. And there's things I'm doing today that my son may come to me and say, hey dad, why did you do that? But I wanna create an environment where he's comfortable and safe to ask those questions. And that I'm honest with him, regardless of how uncomfortable or comfortable I am, but recognizing that vulnerability is really courageous versus being invulnerable and having your child believe you're someone that you're not. I think that is is so important, especially in today's society. And then just recognize you're not in this alone. You have people that love you. You have a mother, you have a father. They may have not been in your life, but you are still loved by someone. And it's okay to express that love to your offspring in a way that is true and honest and unconditional. So that's the advice I have. Seek help, fix yourself, And recognize that you are adequate. And be confident in whatever person, father, man you want to be in your child's life.
0: To sum it up, I would say be intentional Mm -hmm. about being whole. Mm -hmm. And so, Janoy, I am so excited for this particular episode. Because you have instilled a lot of wisdom in a lot of people. A lot of nuggets that some people don't get on a daily basis. And... uh, I wanted to ask you one thing. What are even some of your challenges currently?
1: Yeah, I, I struggle with the very thing I just gave advice on, being vulnerable, being honest with myself, and then translating that to be honest with other people. Vulnerability, my vul- my lack of vulnerability or ability to feel like I can be vulnerable stems from my childhood. Every trauma that you have today stems from something. Yes. And Agreed. I grew up in an environment, as you just heard, where it wasn't the most loving environment. I can count on my hands the amount of times my paternal grandmother hugged me or said, "I love you," if she did at all <laughs> <laughs> and we con- we're conditioned to believe that that's okay and that's healthy and that's normal, but mm-hmm. it's not because deep down inside, we all have that urge to to feel vulnerable. And be vulnerable, and truly be our authentic self. So for me, my challenge is being vulnerable with my my child, the, the mother of my child, and ensuring that I'm able to communicate exactly how I feel at any given moment in time. And creating that environment. There are some days I wake up and be like, "Yeah, it ain't it today. I, <laughs> I'm not doing. I'm not in a good mood. I don't feel like it. The baby was up." So three, four o'clock in the morning, he's teething. I can't go to sleep. It ain't it. But instead of taking it out on everyone else, it's okay to wake up and say, what? Hey, I'm tired this morning. I don't feel good. And here's why I don't feel good. We're so conditioned not to do that. And we have to rewire our brains to say, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be tired. It's okay not to be able to provide all the time. It's okay to ask for help. yes. And those are some of the struggles I still have that's deep rooted in me. But again, as my mom just stated, being intentional about where, where you want to be and having that effort put being put forth is so much more impactful than just ignoring it.
0: Wow. Well, I'm going to leave you with that. I'm going to leave you to soak that in because... That's something that so many of us lack is, first of all, being intentional, asking for help, being vulnerable, and not seeing being vulnerable as a weakness, Mm but see it as a strength, because it taps into the authentic you. And that's what this is about, straight talk, real journeys. We're having real journey talks right now, where people are sharing what they really express on a day-to-day basis, whether it's in their past or it's current. And I'm just hoping and I'm praying that it is impacting someone out there I mean, please feel free to share it with your friends and your loved ones. And until we meet again, thank you again for joining in and tuning in on Straight Talk. Janoi, I just want to say thank you for joining us today. Thank you. You know, sometimes I think he needs an assistant because it's hard to get, get a hold of this guy. But thank you. You know, even he's my son. It's hard to get a hold of him. So thank you again for joining us. And I really, really appreciate all the nuggets that you shared with us today well thank you thank you for sharing everything that happened and keeping it real and that's the beauty about straight talk real journeys is that we keep it real so thank you again and i love you and i'm proud of you
1: i love you too and i'm proud of you as well thank you for having me
0: you're welcome until next time we meet on straight talk real journeys have a blessed week